When Jeff Steinberg was in high school, he played a lot of lacrosse, which is why he had this shirt, a maroon and white tank top. It had Denver lacrosse written on the front with a couple of sticks crossed, and my number that season was, was number five. So I had number five on the back. Jeff wore the shirt for years in the backyard at the beach. But you know how it is. You wear something for a while, you love it, and then it's time. One day, Jeff cleaned out his closet, and he took good old number five down to Goodwill. He remembers the place in Miami, southwest, 146th Street near US-1, which he thought was the end of things. But then, months later, he was in Africa, Sierra Leone for work, walking down the street, and he sees this guy selling ice cream and cold drinks, wearing a shirt. It's maroon, and yes, it has lacrosse sticks on it. It was Denver lacrosse, and I thought, wow, this is like... Pretty crazy. He has this lacrosse jersey from that team. Then Jeff looked at the back of the shirt, and there was the number five. His number. At that point, I was, you know, I didn't know what to think. I was sort of blown away by the whole experience. It was really a a mind bender. Jeff tries to explain to the guy, hey, I know this shirt. I used to wear it. But the guy doesn't speak English, and they just part ways, leaving Jeff to wonder about the very strange journey his shirt must have taken. I spent a lot of time (laughs) thinking about that over the following days. It was just sort of beyond me how it could have gotten there. Well, Jeff, today we have an answer for you. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Gregory Warner, East Africa correspondent for NPR. And Greg, we partnered up with you to help report the Africa part of this story. Today... What will happen to our Planet Money shirts? What happens to all our clothes after we're done with them? We're going to follow a t-shirt into the afterlife. So this journey that Jeff's t-shirt took, it is not just his shirt. Some of the Planet Money shirts and a lot of the clothes we all wear will eventually make this epic journey. The U.S. is in fact the largest exporter of used clothing in the world. Over one billion pounds of used clothing every year. We're going to try to trace the path that Jeff's T-shirt would have taken. So Jeff brought his shirt to Goodwill, and Goodwill sells some of the shirts and clothes it gets at stores in the United States. But if Jeff's shirt made it to a store, nobody ended up buying it. Sorry, Jeff. In which case, the shirt would have been relegated to a place like this. I'm standing in a warehouse in New Jersey, and all around me are bales of clothing waiting to be sorted, waiting to be judged. Eric Steuben runs this place. It's a company called Trans America's Textile Recycling. Every day, he says, two trailer trucks pull up here with something like 100,000 pounds of used clothes. It's the good, the bad, the ugly. It's sweaters in the summertime, T-shirts in the wintertime, some of the clothing very stained or worn. And our job is to find a home for all this. It turns out there are lots of sorting centers like this all across the country. Eric says most of the clothes that charities take in, he thinks about 80% of it, ends up at a sorting center. Eric buys clothes by the ton. An individual shirt like Jeff's would have cost him about seven cents. Jeff's shirt would have come in possibly in one of those bales. It ends up on this main conveyor or sorting line. Is it actually a conveyor belt? Yeah, we're going to see in just a second. As we're walking, I look up and I see the strangest sight. Every couple seconds, a piece of clothing goes flying through the air in this beautiful arc. It's like a slow fountain of used clothes. Shirt goes flying into the air, then it drifts back down. Another, then it drifts back down. 
It turns out the clothes are being thrown by this woman. Arsenia. Arsenia? What's your last name? Vaquero. How old are you? Uh, 26 years. Arsenia is the decider of fates for t-shirts. She and the women alongside her. A shirt comes along the conveyor belt. She picks it up, looks at the front, the back, makes a decision, and then she throws it into one of several bins, depending on the shirt's condition and what it looks like. How much time does it take you? It's like one, two, one, two. One and two, yeah. One or two seconds? Yes. How far can you throw a t-shirt? Oh. I think like 15, 20 feet. (laughs) Accurately. So here are the possible fates for t-shirts and clothes. The worst off, the stained, the torn, they end up in this bin. You see there's a bathrobe. Here's a Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny pajamas, bottoms. A fair amount of pajamas in here. These are destined for a second life, but not as clothing. They're going to be ground up and used as stuffing for dog beds and teddy bears, which actually seems like a better fate than what happens to shirts that go into bin number two. Bin number two t-shirts are in slightly better condition. They're going to get cut up into squares for a second life as a rag. So you could run into your t-shirt at, say, a car wash or something. Jeff's shirt apparently escaped this fate. The very best shirts get pulled off and put into a vintage bin. This is actually a major revenue source for recyclers like Eric, the little bits of gold in the endless stream of clothes. Vintage shirts are the ones that can get sold to the cool kids for like 10 or 20 bucks. Sorry, Jeff, I checked with the hipster on staff here who makes the call. Lacrosse shirts are not in. Which means that Jeff's shirt would have gone into the last bin, where Eric says 40 or 50% of the shirts go. The bin for shirts in good enough shape to be sent back out into the world as shirts. These shirts, some of which were made overseas, they're going back again. Latin America, uh, Africa, uh, Central Asia, Southeast Asia. Which is the biggest of those? Um, probably Africa consumes the vast majority. I would say roughly two-thirds end up in sub-Saharan Africa. At one end of the floor, two guys listening to a little radio, working at incredible speed, take loads of clothes that have been sorted, and they put them in a clothes compressor, 80,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. Jeff's shirt would have been stuck in the middle of one of these bales, bound with steel cables, stenciled with the words men's t-shirts, and sent out the door to a port in Newark, New Jersey. Greg, you want to take it from here? Yeah, let's take it to Nairobi, Kenya, where shirts would have arrived by container ship, and after getting through African customs, they might have ended up at a place like this. And we're in a shed of roughly hammered corrugated tin. The whole thing's a bit bigger than a two-car garage. It's stuffed from the dirt floor to the metal roof with plastic bales of used clothes. And sitting just inside the open door is Jane Irreri. She's got tight blonde braids. She's sipping sweet white tea. So I want to just describe um, where you're sitting. I mean, so I found you here. You're sitting on a bench, but you're surrounded essentially by like, I don't know, uh, 70 bales? This is five, 520 bales. 520 bales. There's 520 bales here? Yeah. Wait, when it's full, it's 500. Now. No, now it's 500. Okay, so it turns out she dug a whole sub-basement under her shed with more than 200,000 pieces of used clothing that she shipped in from New Jersey, London, Toronto. Oh, there's a whole, there's a whole basement. Yeah. There's a whole basement down. And it's all under here? Yes. Yeah. 
You're sitting on 520 bales. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jane started in this business 15 years ago, selling one T-shirt at a time. They used to call her the lady with the hangers. Now she hardly touches the clothes themselves. She just imports the bales and sells them sealed. With the money she makes on the exchange, she bought an SUV. She's building a new house. She's sending her daughters to boarding school. And through my translator, she tells me that men keep proposing to her, but she turns them all down. We don't like husbands, she says. We like staying single. But used clothing has its risks as well as rewards, especially for the next level down in the t-shirt chain. The person who buys the bale from Jane for about $140. That's a lot of money here. And until you open that bale, you really don't know what you just shelled out for. So to spread the risk around, African markets have developed a system. It's called the breaking of the bale, and it's almost as violent as that name suggests. The way it works is that the new owner of the bale, whoever bought it from Jane, will sell first dibs to eight other vendors. So they circle in tightly like it's a piñata about to break. And when the bale is slid open with a razor on a tarp, you can watch this, but stand back because these vendors are grabbing as much as they can with both hands. And in this way, perhaps Jeff Steinberg's lacrosse shirt was scooped up by a vendor and later hung in a stall in an outdoor market to be sold. The biggest market in Kenya is Gikomba Market in central Nairobi. There's a whole section of street just for denim, a boulevard of bras. We're, of course, on the street of T-shirts, where vendors have laid out their wares on horse carts. And these shirts are washed, they're ironed, carefully folded... It's more like shopping at The Gap than Goodwill. Only if The Gap had a very strange product line. Just to pick at random from one cart, there's a fundraising t-shirt for a cancer charity, a promotional shirt for the not-so-newlywed game, a souvenir tee from Broadway, New York, and a weightlifting competition shirt from Dillon, Montana. And this is 2010 Chris Height Memorial Bulldog Bench Press and Deadlift Southwestern Montana Raw Record Breakers. Very specific promotional t-shirt for like you know this particular event now i know that africa as the united states has its fashion trends but looking at all these t-shirts together it's hard from the outside to determine the pattern so i ask a professional what are you looking for you seem like you're looking very closely and very quickly Margaret Wanjiku is a t-shirt vendor from Western Kenya. She comes here by overnight bus, buys as much as she can carry back to sell. And so she told me through my translator, Paul, that she has to be very careful about what she picks. I'm looking at the smartness of the t-shirts. I can't buy what my customers cannot buy. I'm looking at the quality as well. And so I'm guided by the quality and uh, the condition of the t-shirt. What about what's written on it? Is that matter? Sometimes it does. Global brands command a premium. So Nike, Coca-Cola, British football, Barack Obama. This is Kenya. But here's the surprising part. Margaret usually does not choose her shirts for the reason that so many Americans choose theirs. For what's written on them. And this becomes clear when a vendor next to Margaret named Boniface Nieri, who's been giving me the soft sell on lots of shirts, he pulls out one more fresh arrival from the bale. And this shirt is bright white. It's printed with cartoon characters. Fred Flintstone, Betty Boop, George Jetson, Olive Oil, all dancing on a checkered floor. 
Bugs Bunny is playing the drums. On the bass drum is printed a big red J. And at the bottom, in rose red letters. Oh my God, Jennifer's Bat Mitzvah, November 20th, 1993. Dancing with the tunes. This shirt has been around. Yeah. It's remarkably good condition, though, for being um, 20 years old. Now, Boniface, the vendor, says this shirt will likely fly off the horse cart because the pictures are cheerful and the condition is pristine. It seems like the shirt was maybe never worn, just lived in a drawer in Jennifer's friend's house for 20 years. But its lack of value on the U.S. market actually gave it more value on the African one, where the condition of the cotton is more important than what's printed on it. Margaret, the first vendor, tells me through a translator that writing on a T-shirt can actually be a problem. I, I look at the writings because there are some writings that appear abusive and my customers may not like them. Abusive? What do you mean by abusive? For instance, that t-shirt over there says, I'm the guy you have to blow to get a drink around here. So this she would not buy because this is offensive, right? Or not? Or is this okay? (laughs) Margaret picks up the shirt, which admittedly was already in her discard pile, and she gives it a second look. And at this moment, I could not fathom what she was thinking about this shirt, which is a vulgar parody of another vulgar T-shirt that's familiar enough in the zeitgeist for the parody to even make sense. I mean, this shirt is part of a whole T-shirt conversation that Margaret is just not privy to. And maybe that's why this shirt did pass the censors. (laughs) This may not be abusive, but... But it has committed an even worse sin. It seems to be so big, it may not get a customer's... It's size extra large. Wherein lies the wide gulf between the Western t-shirt market and the African physique. Many of the used shirts that pop out of a bale in Africa simply cannot be sold as is. They fit almost no one here. Which is where this guy comes in. Francis Mungai commutes to Gikomba Market every day from the Kariobangi slum of Nairobi, carrying a pair of scissors. His job downsizing extra-large T-shirts now in a big pile at his feet. As I watch, he picks up a faded black T-shirt for the heavy metal band Motorhead. It's touting the album Ace of Spades. Okay, so you cut the, you cut the sides off and you cut the bottom off. You make it a small size, then after that... Another color. And you make another color. Uh-huh. Oh, you take another color. The canary yellow sleeves from some other useless extra large. Now echoing the yellow fringes of the Motorhead logo. This design choice is made in seconds. And then Francis hands the yellow sleeves and the black shirt to a seamstress named Caroline. She adds two more scraps from two other shirts. Pale blue accent for the seam, turquoise for the collar. And it's here that I realize that Caroline and Francis aren't just selling t-shirts secondhand. They're giving them a second life. She starts stitching these pieces of four old shirts into a brand new shirt on her Singer machine. And because that's going to take a few minutes, let's just pause to consider the whole journey of our Motorhead shirt. Okay, it's designed in 2007, assembled in stages all over the world, sold perhaps in the United States for top dollar at some show, worn for years, but eventually discarded, maybe on a pile in Goodwill, to arrive in Nairobi in 2013. The moment that shirt left the United States and got on a ship to Africa, it entered a whole new supply chain, but reversed, because now the finished shirt is the raw material. 
imported to Kenya for 10 cents, resold, sold again for 45. Someone got 12 cents to cut it up, 17 to tailor it, 14 to wash and iron. Finally, a vendor bought it for $1.20 to hawk it off to its future wearer, who for just 2 or $3 will own a bespoke artisanal motorhead shirt whose tag says XL but fits like a small, with a cheerful blue collar and some rather jaunty yellow sleeves. Greg, tell them the truth about what happened to that T-shirt. Yeah, I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I I can't fit into this Motorhead shirt. What are you going to do with it? No, my wife wears it. She looks quite good. (laughs) (laughs) We had one more question. We wanted to know how the Planet Money T-shirts might fare. We made these T-shirts. Hopefully you will all wear and love them. But we understand at some point their time will come. And we wanted to know, would they get a chance at a second life? As it happens, I was in Africa for another story, and I brought along one of the very first Planet Money shirts. I took it to a little market in western Kenya. Who's the best salesman in the market? (laughs) I think I'm the best selling T-shirt guy in this market. Guy's name is Jeffrey Otieno. He has a small stall with a couple dozen T-shirts hanging up. I show him the Planet Money shirt, and I ask him, honestly, do you think you can sell this? It's new, so he likes that. He looks at the squirrel printed on it, looks at the martini in the squirrel's paw. It's good, it's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice one. Because of the, fi- the picture up here, Ninzuri. The picture on it is very nice. Squirrels, so it's a nice one. He offers us 50 Kenyan shillings, which is about 60 cents. We accept, and he hangs it in his stall. One, one more thing. If a shirt like this ever shows up here again, can you send me an email and let me know? Yeah. So, so. It's okay. I'll send it for you. I'll do that. Thank you. Thank you. A day later, he'd sold the shirt. It was the very first Planet Money t-shirt to be released into the world. As always, we want to know what you think. You can send us email, planetmoney at npr.org. And we actually have lots of photos of shirts we found in markets here in Kenya. We've posted them online in the hopes that you can help us locate some of the original owners. That's npr.org slash money. Special thanks today to Alan Obiero, who was my translator when I was in Kenya. Thanks, too, to Sarah Elliott, who took many of those T-shirt photos, and Paul Warambo, who translated many of the voices that you heard. He just got married this weekend. Congratulations, Paul. I'm Gregory Warner. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening.